You're listening to the Business Secret Podcast. The podcast is a chance for some of Wales' finest upcoming and established business owners to share the story of their business journey. Hosted by the team here at Penguin, our guests talk in depth about how they got to where they are today, offering invaluable advice on marketing, challenges, and the highs and lows of life as a business owner. If you like what you hear, then don't forget to review us on Apple Podcasts and leave us a comment across our socials. You can download your free copy of the book, The Business Secret, direct from our website on www.penguinwealth.com. The book is written for business owners by business owners, offering invaluable tips on time management, work-life balance, how to pick the right team, and so many more activities and tips to get you on the right track. Our guest this week is a go-giver who is about to embark on a virtual world tour to talk about the power of giving. Your talks are full of energy, excitement, raw emotion, and fun stories. His speeches have been described as life-changing, and people have said they've changed the way in which they live and generally and give differently from the moment they hear them. The lessons passed on teach us how to live a better, brighter life through the power of giving. Therefore, my very warm welcome to Julie Kent, MBE. Hello, how are you? Very well, Julie. Listen, thanks so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to um, do this podcast. It's very much appreciated. So, Julie, first of all, Many congratulations on the MBE, which was awarded in December 2020. So what I'd love you to do to start with is to share your journey on achieving your MBE and what you received it for, please. Well, that's quite a long journey, actually. But um, on the actual citation, it says that it's for founding the Emily Kent Charitable Trust and 30 years of fundraising. And... um, It really probably started in earnest when we lost our first child. Um, We only had Emily at the time and when she was two and a half, we we didn't think she was walking properly and we took her to have her eyes tested and they could see something wasn't quite right at the opticians. Then we went to an eye specialist and we ended up having a scan and um, discovered, we went straight to French A Hospital and discovered she had a brain tumour. And she, um, we were in and out of hospital in Bristol and Gloucester uh, for about six months and she died in the June. And Um, when something like that happens um, you just need you feel like you need to do something positive and so we started the Emily Kent Charitable Trust which raised money initially for anaesthetic equipment at the Bristol Royal Infirmary because every time she had treatment we couldn't get her scanned to see how the treatment was going because um, little children have to be anaesthetized for a scan and um, they didn't have enough equipment so the first thing that we raised money for was the anaesthetic equipment there and then we raised money for children with cancer in Gloucestershire and it ran for about um, six or seven years And then we had two other children and we closed the charity. And I then began to raise money for breast cancer, uh, for Click Sergeant. Uh, Anyone, if anyone said to me, can you help me raise money? I used to help them raise money. And and then the Pied Piper appeal was going at the same time as they they started about the same time um, that Emily was born actually. And we did give them £50,000 to have the oncology ward named after her at Gloucester Royal and it still is it's called the Emily Kent unit 
And the Bristol, the new children's hospital in Bristol was also, they were also raising money at that time because we had been in the old children's hospital at Clifton and we gave them 50,000 as well. And the up until about 18 months ago, the day beds in oncology was called the Emily Kent unit too, but they've changed all the names of the wards now. So um, uh, the Pied Piper came to me um, after we closed our charity about four or five years after and said, would I become a trustee? And I said, I didn't have time. And they said, all you have to do, Julie, is attend three meetings a year. And that has turned into um, me running the charity shop that we opened two years ago, doing all the social media, um, overseeing the office. In fact, I'm in the office now because I've retired. And so I am the volunteer fundraiser um, and doing a lot, really. Uh, and since then, I was also approached by Cheltenham Open Door, which is a charity in Cheltenham which uh, they had someone sort of babysitting the chairman's seat um, and she didn't really want to do it. And they kept hassling me to be the chairman. And I kept saying I didn't have time. It's my favorite, you know, that's usually my excuse, and, but it doesn't work at all because I am also chairman um, of that now. And that's a smallish charity in Cheltenham that um, before the pandemic was feeding 50 people four times a week a hot meal they could come in have a shower could give them clothes um obviously during the pandemic we we don't serve them inside anymore we have a plastic screen and they come and we give them a hot meal and a food parcel um, and we are now feeding 80 people so when the pandemic we're actually looking now for bigger premises because we cannot survive I mean by the time we open again it could be 100 people a day in fact Christmas day it was 85 we served um, Christmas lunch a proper Christmas lunch all packaged up a really posh afternoon tea um, a bag of presents um, and on Christmas Eve they all got fish and chips from our nearby fish and chip shop that supplied them for nothing actually um, and so I think all these a friend of mine, it was actually someone who I'd worked with, decided they would put an application in for me. Um, obviously, I didn't know anything about it for an MBE. And she gathered information from all these people that I've been involved with. And they all must have written nice things about me because here I am with I'm still getting used to it really because um they I had the email in June, but we weren't allowed to say anything until October. Oh, it was awful. It was, it's like, um, I say, it's like your very hot boyfriend or girlfriend proposes, you know, gets down on one knee, gives you the ring and then says, right, we're not going to tell anyone for four months. It was hell. <laughs> it's out there now. I'm putting it on everything. I was wondering if I could put it on my bank card. What do you think? Yeah, you should be allowed to. I think really? I'm going to get a new bank card then. Changes like that. So with the Pied Piper theme you've already touched upon, you're Vice Chairman, I understand, of the Pied Piper, and the aim of the charity is to help sick and disabled people, uh, children in Gloucestershire. Yeah. With the events that were experienced throughout the world, mental health is very much at the forefront of the news. Um, so has the Pied Piper appeal involved to look at this in greater detail? Oh, it's been a nightmare for the Pied Piper. We are £130,000 down on the year because we're very events-based. 
So uh, we like people, we like to organize events. People come along, um, have a great time, spend lots of money. So our ball would raise 25,000 normally. Um, we have a two day summer show that raises 40,000. Our golf days, we, our chairman is an awesome auctioneer and he can extract money from people very easily. And um, his golf day with an auction will raise 15,000. And so all these things last year, actually didn't happen. Um, we managed a week before the lockdown to get our race day in, because as you know, Cheltenham did take place. We, every year we hire a big marquee off the, off the park where the Cheltenham races are, but you can see, so we can stand on some decking and the horses do go past. And um, it's um, an old Gloucester rugby player that lives there and every day a charity uses it. And that was the week before the lockdown. And we did get that in and we raised 23,000 and we bought specialist hearing equipment to test babies um, to see if their hearing is damaged or if there's a problem with their hearing. And before we bought this equipment, the babies and their families would have to go all the way to Bristol to be tested. And because the babies, they could be 10 weeks, they're very young. Um, the mothers have to get them asleep to have the equipment put on them to test their hearing. And we just managed to get that in before the lockdown. And, and obviously, um, it, it certainly has made me think about the way we raise money. And we're just about to start a 100 club. And um, we had before in our 25th year, we had started some direct debits, you know, pay 25 pounds a month for 25 months or, and next year is actually our 30th year. And we're, we're going to redo that because it makes you realize that if you rely completely on events, then you don't have any other money coming in. And then actually, interestingly, being chair of Chartnam Open Door, money has been flooding in because it's to do with homelessness, uh, poverty. We've had big companies that have given checks for seven and a half thousand, 10,000, and even checks of 10, 20, 500 have been coming through the door every day almost in December because at Christmas time, people think about people that are on their own, are lonely, homeless or whatever. It's very interesting to see how the two charities op uh, you know, operate differently. On a, from a business level, really. Um, but I do have a passion for small charities. I have this thing. I'll try not to get on my soapbox, Paul, but <laughs> only because our chairman of Pied Piper, he, um, he was the president of a golf club for quite a few years. And um, someone dropped out of a heart attack on the course. The children raised money for a big charity they raised £250 at their children's Christmas party. He contacted the charity and said, would you come and collect the cheque from the children? And they said, oh, it's not worth it by the time we've paid expenses. So that kind of thing makes me very passionate about local community charities. Um, you can see where your money goes, which I think you know, if, if a company like your company decided to have a race night and raise a thousand pounds, if you sent that off to a big charity, it probably wouldn't even touch someone's petrol bill. But if you give it to a local charity, you can actually go. We would take you. In fact, some, some of the companies we get involved with, they say, um, I want the money to go to this. And I'll explain later what Pi Piper does. But 
and we will say, right, we will ring fence it for that. And you can come along and meet the people that it is going to go to or come and see the ward where you're going to buy the new curtains or whatever it is, you know. And I think if you raise money, it's important you see where it goes, really. So I do have a bit. It is one of my things I'm a bit passionate about. No, that's great. So with regard to the lockdown and naturally you can't see people face to face or hold events face to face. So how, how are you holding them at the moment? Well, we, uh, we've done lots of virtual events. We've been doing things. Uh, when it first started, we did something called Find a Fiver. And we just asked people to send us a fiver because other charities were saying they'd emailed out and they were getting lots of money in. And I think our supporters, I suppose, are used to events. And so we sort of sent this thing, find a fiver. I did the Saxy Pop quiz. So I did eight of those, I think. That raised 2,000. Um, one of our trustees is the manager of the Ivy in Cheltenham. Actually, he's now, uh, he's moved to Bath. I think he did a spell in Cardiff. There's a new one in Cardiff, isn't there? It's lovely. I love it. That great big dragon on top of the bar. I absolutely love it. Um, anyway, he got his um, head barman to make cocktails on Zoom. And so people would pay, so they, they'd be sent all the ingredients and then you would pitch up on Zoom and he would say, right, you know, put this amount of rum in and this amount of this. And you can imagine after an hour, people making three cocktails and drinking them. It was quite raucous actually at times. But we're doing a Shrove Tuesday one. So we're doing make make a pan make two pancakes with the chef from the Ivy this time. Um, our charity shop was closed and um, there's nothing we could do about that really. But this lockdown, of course, lots of shops have been doing click and collect. So we do have an online Facebook page for our shop and we have been doing click and collect. So um, we've got quite um, an extrovert deputy and he goes round the shop saying, and this is three pounds and this is five pounds. And then people pay online and then they decide on a time to meet him. They come to the shop, they show him on the phone they paid and he will then put the item outside the door. And that's been great, actually. You know, that's because charity shops are big business. We're actually looking for a premises to have another one. Absolutely amazing. So with regard to the Shrove Tuesday event, so how do people start getting involved with that how's that everything is on our website so piedpiperappeal.co.uk um, you won't be able to get past anything before you buy valentine's raffle tickets actually because that is boosted on the first page and it's only two pounds a ticket um, and we did a christmas raffle online it was really funny because you know some of our older supporters they were kind of where are our tickets you know, you're so used to having, you know, books of tickets, you fill in your name and address, rip them off. Well, we couldn't do that, obviously. And um, so you buy the tickets online and then you get an email to say the numbers of your tickets. And then it's all done by the website people and they pick out the numbers. And then we're told, you know, who's got the first prize, second prize, third prize. But everything is on our website. So, so we're doing the Valentine's raffle the Shrove Tuesday pancakes, I'm doing a Saxy Pop quiz, and we've got Get Fit in February with Pied Piper. Mm. And that's, you can choose one of three plans. So we've got uh, easy, moderate, and hard. Initially, we only had one plan. And I said to um, Stephen, I said, 200 press-ups, that's one exercise, 200 press-ups in the last week. I said, 
women generally, and probably I'm going to get slated for this, but women generally are not great at press-ups, especially 200 of them. So we now have a moderate and an easy and um, people can pay £5 for the plan. And we've got a Facebook group that they can join so that they can, you know, ensues each other as the month goes on, which we'll need. I think even I'm doing the moderate, so I think I'm going to still end up with something like 120 press-ups in the last week. Horrible. On the stairs, I'll do them. So, with regard to marketing, it sounds like marketing is very much, you know, you tip top with regard to pipeline. You've got all these wonderful events going on. So, what top marketing strategy would you say is, is your most favorite? Social media. I mean, years ago, we had local newspapers, and I'm sure you did here too, six nights a week. We had the, the Gloucestershire Echo, which was Cheltenham, Stroud News and Journal, which is part of Gloucestershire, the Gloucester Citizen. You know, everyone read it, didn't they, to find out who'd got married, who died, you know, charities and schools and independent schools as well. You, you wanted to be in there two or three times a week. And of course, it comes out once a week now. So social media is absolutely massive. Um, I also um, set up a MailChimp newsletter, so um, which did suffer a bit with the whole GDPR a few years ago, uh, because when that came in, of course, we all had to start from zero again, didn't we? And email out and say, you know, do you want to get this? We've got about 700 on our MailChimp. And every Saturday night, because I'm such an exciting person, I write the weekly newsletter. And it's a sort of sum up of the week. So people, you know, if, if someone raised 10 pounds, I would go and take a photo of them with a check with 10 pounds or their 10 pound note. Everyone is in there. All the events are in there. Uh, I have a business bit and we have all the logos of the companies that support us. And I hope that the companies would say that as soon as they take us on as charity of the year, you know, I build up a relationship with them. I'm constantly popping over there to take a photo of them doing whatever they're doing, mention them a lot in all our social media. We're quite, we're quite big on Twitter. Um, our Instagram is growing and our Facebook and with the newsletter, um, and I do a lot of vlogs, so I'll go along and say, right, I'm going to do a little film with you, you know, just two minutes. But people do like it. And uh, the more you can get their company name out there, then they're happy, really. Absolutely. Um, now, you're planning to do a virtual or you're in the process of doing a virtual world tour. Yeah, this is the Welsh bit. Now, this, this is the Wales bit. Yeah. Um, so you can probably tick off two bits. You can do a Cardiff bit and a, and a Tembe or Pembrokeshire bit. <laughs> what, what happened was, um, so I was given the MBE in the June and I was retiring from school and I was sort of trying to decide what I was going to do. I did say to Pied Piper, I'll do two days a week volunteering, you know, um, a bit of fundraising on top of everything else. And, um, and then was given the MBE and then I, and people at school had said, why don't you do public speaking? Because obviously I ran a boarding house for 20 years. So I was used to addressing um, 60 girls all the time, speaking to the whole school about charities or careers or whatever I did, you know, it wasn't a problem. And, and I'm a singer and, and play saxophone. So an audience doesn't bother me. And um, so if you got an MBE, hopefully more people will book you to do a public speech, which I'm, I'm banking on. And um, 
but obviously it's really difficult at the moment because there isn't really anywhere to go and speak. Um, but I've done a few Zoom talks. In fact, um, I was I have some coaching from Stephen Parry actually in Cardiff. Do you know him? He's a um, big celebrity in Cardiff apparently. Uh, he's given me some coaching, and um, so I did try out my talk on people that didn't know me in networking groups in. Um, in Gloucestershire and I'm absolutely bursting to get out there but uh, we decided the thing is I don't want to just go and give a talk and walk away and that be it I want to in my talk challenge people to do something for their local community so it's the, the talk is called the power of giving and it's all about how giving is good for your mental health is proven by scientists. And all I seem to do at the moment is read books about research on how good giving is for you. And it's good for your um, longevity of life. You know, it's, and it's actually proven. A lot of people don't actually volunteer until they're retired when they have lots of time. And, you know, there have been studies, the people that volunteer when they retire live longer than the people that don't volunteer on a regular basis, because it keeps your mind active, it gives you other things to do, it gives you um, a good feeling, you know, um, and actually, I'm sure you won't censor me if I say this, but when you are generous or you volunteer or you do something good for someone, it opens up these reward pathways in your brain. The same reward pathways you get when you eat or when you have sex, Paul. I know what you're thinking. When I put money in that bucket, it's not the same as when I eat a bacon sandwich. <laughs> Are you thinking that? <laughs> But um, it's just so what I really want to get across across the whole world is and I will look up communities. I, I actually um, noticed that Noah's Ark is quite a big charity around here. And I think Noah's Ark is probably quite similar to Pied Piper. So if I was doing a talk in card, if I'd probably say, you know, could you do something for Noah's Ark? And and I want people then to feed back to me, tag me in to whatever they're doing so that. I feel like going out and talking to people is actually generating more people raising money and doing things for other charities, really. So with regard to speaking to all these different countries, et cetera, um, networking is very much going to be part of that. Uh, yeah. So I, sorry. No, it's okay. Carry on. I love networking. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be one of your, one of your strengths found from our so how do you reach out to these countries then? Well, to start with, um, I thought Rotary groups because I didn't realise that Rotary International actually started in um, Chicago. I've been talking to quite a few Rotary groups. I don't know, is it big in Wales, Rotary? Yeah, Rotary, yeah. Yeah, well, it actually started in Chicago and there are Rotary groups all over the world. In fact, I found a contact in Granada which sounds, what a shame that we're not going there. Um, but hopefully I'll be able to speak to that group. So Rotary was one way I thought that's a good way of getting links. I spoke to a Rotary club on Monday and someone there is connected to a Rotary um, club in Holland. So I'm going to be able to speak there. Um, but also when I retired from Dean Close, um, I set up the Julie Kent Foundation Award. And this is to raise money to put someone through five years and have an independent education 
boarding at Dean Close, uh, paid for by the Julie Kent Foundation Award. And of course, some people have already signed up and are paying monthly, um, parents of girls that I've looked after for five years. Um, but we were going to have this massive party where all the girls I'd ever had, like 600, 700, all their parents, their partners, now their children, um, in the afternoon, then we were going to have a chapel service, then we were going to have a black tie dinner. And during the day, I would have hopefully got donations from all these families to put towards um, the child that's going to have this foundation award. Well, of course, that didn't happen. Um, we still hope that it will at some point. But um, our alumni at Dean Close has emailed out to all the contacts of all the old Tucanians across the world um, to say, Julie Kent, our housemistress from Shelburne House, uh, would love to come and give you a talk and talk about the Julie Kent Foundation Award. Um, so I'd be able to do that and encourage them, you know, in their own communities. And um, I think, you know, that's a great way to get to people that we wouldn't be able to get to otherwise, really. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. So, with regard to the, uh, the world tour, the virtual tour, so can we follow you anywhere on this? Well, I am big on social media. <laughs> So um, I've, I've got a lot better, actually, because I've got this wonderful agent now who's also Welsh. Maybe I should move to Wales. Um, yeah. Sean Gunny. And she has um, restricted me in my social media, I think is the best, best thing to say. So on my Instagram now, I'm only allowed to post once a day, whereas before I was kind of, you know, in the coffee shop, uh, buying my favorite dresses, all this sort of thing. No, one post a day is what I'm down to. But um, I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook um, under Julie Kent MBE. And yes, I would really love people to follow. And I will put, you know, what I'm talking about, the people I've met. And hopefully the people I speak to will also then follow. And as I say, tag me in, even if they have a little cake sale or whatever it is. I just want my talks to have made a difference to a lot of people, really. So what countries have you, I know you, we spoke earlier about um, you, you've done USA, so. Yeah, New York. And that was really interesting because um, I got that through Clubhouse and Clubhouse is um, a new platform for people to network. Um, a lot of American people on it, but I've met some Australians as well. And um, I just, you it's all audio and you can go into different rooms and just listen. And one lady said, um, that she was a podcaster. I was going to attempt the American accent then, and then I changed my mind. And um, she said, uh, "I'm looking for people to be on my I'm looking for people to be on my podcast." And uh, so I contacted her through Instagram because that's how you contact people on Clubhouse, Instagram or Twitter. And um, she said, oh, well, you know, is there anything you can send to me to see if we fit? And then she sent me a message saying, oh, my God, just two minutes and you've got to be on. And, and she's just lovely now. And we message each other quite a lot. And so, yeah, she's from New York. So that's the New York box ticked. Although, you know, I'm quite happy to do another one. And Wales now is obviously ticked. Um, I've got a sister in Australia and a colleague that I worked with. He's at a school in Australia and they're going to start some webinars. So hopefully I'll um, sort it out Australia and, and Granada. I've got someone who knows someone in Granada so, and Holland. So we're getting there. It, it could end up being around the world in 80 podcasts at this rate. I'm not sure, but. 
anything. You've got a target then, how many you want to do Well, 80 sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, 80. Um, 80 sounds quite good. And if I could inspire people, you know, to raise money around that, even to raise 100,000 or something would be fantastic. But I think in these times, if anything, you know, I'm such um the sort of person who likes to plan everything, look forward, you know, I'd planned this great exit from school after 30 years and it didn't happen. And I think now it stops me looking ahead as much. I'm much more, well, let's just look at this week because you just do not know what's going to happen next. And that's the same in everything, isn't it? In business, with your family, with everything. You can't plan anything because you don't know what's going to happen next. No, that's right. So obviously we, we worked in education as a housemistress at Hinkley School. So it must have been great to see all these young ladies develop and yeah. in a big wide world, etc. So what message or what, what legacy would you have liked your former pupils to have left with? Well, to give, really. And I always say, you know, give money. If you can't give money, give your time and to give yourself to people. And I did encourage them a lot. I would drag them to Pie Piper events where they would be selling teddies or raffles, or there was um, some sheltered accommodation near school. And I used to invite the elderly into school once a term and we would um, sing and entertain them. And then they would, we would serve them tea and sandwiches. And um, one of the ladies, I'd known her since she was 85. She's now 106, Peggy. And one September, we didn't do it at school. I can't remember why. And so I took some of my girls down to the sheltered accommodation. I said, come on, we're going to go and see Peggy. And they were like, oh, do we have to? I said, yes, you do. And of course, when we get there and she's so chatty, I think she was 103 that year. She's so chatty. And they were like, oh, can we go again? Can we go? Again? I said, see, now that is, that's giving. If you give your time, it's so rewarding for you. And it's great that, you know, they just love seeing young people. And so that is my legacy. And they know it, that I expect them to go out, you know, and give as any way they can. So, you know, for someone like me, you know, I make charitable donations to the guide dogs and the NSPCC, et cetera, but you don't actually see the benefit in, you know, the real terms, do you? No. So, someone who's been inspired by your message, such as me, okay, what advice would you give us to listen to what you do? Well, I mean, there's different levels, isn't there? So you could, um, with Penguin, say, right, let's all do a mud run. Let's set ourselves a challenge. It's good for team bonding if you do something like that or walk up Penny Fan or something. So you could do a group activity. And like I say, good for companies, good for group bonding, great publicity, good for your own personal challenge. Um, you could do something just with, you know, ladies, well, all men, but get a friend and have a coffee morning or get a friend and have a cheese and wine party and all the ladies bring an item of clothing they don't wear anymore and they all swap. They'll have a great night. Any excuse, really, for ladies to get together and drink wine, they'll do anything almost. Um, or I had a phone call recently from um, a rugby player who said he wanted to start a foundation of his own. He wanted to... Um, 
be able to he 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 runs a sort of um fitness thing and he wanted to give some young rugby players membership of the club without having to pay that might be at schools where rugby isn't really big they can't really afford all the gear and everything and he wanted to start a foundation that would be able to do that and I said right well you need two or three good business people you know that are going to be part of your board you have to contact the charities commission you know you'll need someone good at admin that would do all that sort of thing you know so there's the extremes you know start your own charity or do something but I would you know I would say if you are going to do something like the mud run or whatever find a local charity that will get behind you and that you can then take the money and see exactly where it's going to go no, I'm, I'm ex expecting to hear, Paul, what you're going to do. I'll get back to you when I speak to the team. <laughs> Great. That's above my pay grade to make those type of decisions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what are your plans for the future then? So where do you see yourself in one year, three years, ten years' time? Well, one year... Let's hope I've completed 80 talks across the world. And also let's hope um, in that time, people will have enjoyed them so much that they might invite me to go in person because we do like holidays, my husband and I. Um, in 10 years time, I, I did think about this in 10 years time. I'll just be glad to be alive in 10 years time. I'll be nearly 70 then, because uh, this is my 60th year. Um, so I'll be nearly 70. And like I say, I don't really think ahead that much. It would be great to have inspired a lot of people. I think probably the book will be out. I can't really decide whether to write a book, The Crazy Housemistress, because the stories, I've, I've come away with all the diaries. Every night when the teacher came off duty and I would hand over, they would write what had happened that night. And I would write during the day, you know, who'd fallen out with who, um, what had happened, all those sorts of things. So I've got all the diaries. So that would be one book on its own, wouldn't it? Um, yeah. Do I write a book about raising money? So I think the book could be out. My podcast is coming out. I am going to do my own podcast, I've decided now. So um, I'm hoping uh, 1st of March, in my head, is going to come out. And what's it going to be? Might be a bit crazy. What's it going to be? Well, I don't know if I'm allowed to say because um, Sean hasn't agreed with me yet, but it'll be about giving and it'll be about um, stories of people that have done, you know, given and what the effect it's had. Um, I want it to be entertaining because I've listened to a lot of podcasts in the past two weeks and I would be asleep. So it needs to be entertaining, I think. Let's have some people on that are going to, you know, present company. Be funny. Um, yeah, absolutely, Paul. <laughs> So basically, podcast. Keep an eye on your Facebook page. You'll announce it on that, and then we'll be able to follow you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superb. Yeah. Right, okay. So thanks so much. Now let's just go through some quick fire questions. So, what book are you currently reading, Julie? Uh, I'm reading two. I'm reading "Why Good Things Happen to Good People." and which is quite heavy going. There's a lot of research in there, and I'm reading a book by Marta Zaraska. Uh, and that's called Growing Young. And that's, she's doing research, you know, into how 
um, generosity and and how it keeps you younger. So I'm reading that because it's all good quotes for my talk, really. Yeah, I mean, what both of them. What music are you listening to at the moment? Well, I always go on Apple Music and I go charting now. And so I listen to that. So it's like listening to the radio, really. And then if I like it, I press that plus sign. That means it goes to my whatever it is. Um, and it's there all the time, isn't it? Playlist or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I doubt if you've got much time to watch any TV, but what TV or box sets? Nope. Uh, nothing at all. Don't watch. Never, never seen Netflix in my life. Never watched even one lot of a box set. If anything, I, I like to get into bed and watch the 10 o'clock news with the local news at 22. And then I'm doing my social media at the same time. I just watch the news, which is probably not a good thing at the moment. No, I yeah. watched it because it was so, you know, down, you know, all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. The podcast, you got into your podcast, you listen to a lot of podcasts. So. Oh, yeah, I'm listening to a lot at the moment. Very interesting. And uh, it's all part of research, isn't it? But it's, it's, um, but I was on Matt Callanan's uh, podcast last week and he's, um, he's really upbeat and he has good people to listen to. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, just too many, too many to, to mention at the moment. And then this one will be a difficult one. So your idol. Well, that is, it is really difficult because I, I put a lot of quotes on all my social media. And when I was in the boarding house, I would give the girls a quote of the week. I would, I would tend to do a sort of um, a woman. So it might be Anne Frank or it might be Michelle Obama. And in assembly, I would give them a woman, um, you know, as a role model. And I would always give them a quote. And now I give even more quotes out all the time. I love Mother Teresa quotes. And Mother Teresa is someone who I would have loved to have met because I just thought, you know, she was absolutely awesome. But there are so many people. And sometimes I find a quote and then I think, oh, are they alive or dead? And I've, I've found one last night, someone Sonnenberg, Frank Sonnenberg, and the quote I absolutely loved. And um, so, you know, and then I think, oh, gosh, I need to order their book and I need to order their book. It's just there's not enough hours in the day, is there? Yeah, that's right. But listen, Julie, once again, thank you for taking the time to speak to us about all your wonderful activities that you've got going on and best wishes for the future. And thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Business Secret Podcast and managed to take away some valuable tips and activities to help you in your business journey. This podcast is aimed at those about to start their self-employed life, are already well into their time as a business owner, or are interested in the business world of Wales. If you like this episode of the Business Secret Podcast, you can catch up on our other episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. Every episode is available on our website on www.penguinwealth.com where you'll find a full transcription of each episode, useful links, and a step-by-step -step process on how to download and keep any episode released. You can also download your free copy of our book, The Business Secret, direct from our website. Don't forget to leave us a review and a star rating on Apple Podcasts.